Hello, everyone. Is this on? Cool. How are you guys doing? Good. Um, yeah, so I'm Josh, Chuck's son, um, and a lot of you know me, um, but I know a lot of people are watching online right now that may not know me so well. Um, so if you don't, I want to share a little bit about me. Um, so a lot of you know that I was a missionary in the Philippines, pro- I think it was last year. We got back 2019, right? What, what year is it? 2021? Anyway, I got I left in 2019 for the Philippines, and um, and a lot of you know that, and a lot of you were here for the send-off and everything, but uh, what a lot of people don't know about that whole story is that I did not want to go, like, almost at all, for the majority of the time building up to it. Um, and the reason for it was because I didn't want to, like, give up everything that I had built up basically my entire life. Um, so I want to kind of, like, go back to the beginning, where, where it all kind of started. And it, it started um, in high school, actually, when I decided to kind of question my faith and almost, like, leave my faith to an extent. Um, I had a lot of questions about God. I had a lot of questions about the Bible. Is this really the Word of God? And all that stuff. And I spent a lot of time really trying to disprove this thing right here. A lot of time. Um, ask my dad. I would argue with him for hours, hours about this thing and philosophy and all sorts of things. So um, I'm glad that he had um, the patience to do that with me. But um, I would also actually like to share a tip for any parents. If your kids are fighting with you, that's a good thing. Um, You want them to be fighting with you over this because if they're quiet and they're just kind of doing what they're doing, that's bad. I actually got advice from a divorce lawyer one time. He said that if the couple comes into my office and they're not fighting, it's over. But if they do come in and they're furious and they're throwing punches and stuff, they have a chance because they're at least fighting for it. So um, you can take that advice. It's free. Uh, Use it on your kids. If they're fighting with you, that's a good thing. because it shows that they're they're wrestling with it in their brain. They they want to know the truth rather than just throwing it away and getting rid of it. So anyway, I went through that phase of fighting with the Bible, fighting with my dad, fighting with God for about five or six years. And um, I remember making a promise to God during that time, a, a God that I didn't even know if I believed in anymore. I made a promise. I said, God, if I can't do it, if I lose... I will submit to it, and I will give my life to it. Because if it is true, it's the most important thing on the planet. If this really is God's word, it's the most important thing on the planet. And, and uh, as you know, as I'm standing here right now, I lost. Um, and I, I couldn't disprove the Bible, contradictions, all of it. I couldn't do it. So here I am today, giving my life to God. And, um, and yeah, uh, so... I made that promise that I would give my life to God and that I would just spend my entire life on it. And and I remember going through college, still questioning, questioning, still battling. Um, and I, I finished college and I was still battling at this point with God over this. And and I remember during that time, I went on that mission trip to the Philippines. And, um, and when I was over there, I, I saw something that kind of just changed me a little bit. I saw the church over there, and I saw what, what it was like, and I saw God's hand actually like moving in a strong way in, over there. And I was like, that, this is different. Like, this, this is what faith is. Like, I, I need to know more about this. And, and over time, I, I got changed to the point where I was like, okay, I lost. God is, God is real. God, this is God's word. I, I promised God I would... I would give my life to him, so I submitted in that way. 
But I didn't totally submit. I still held on to things that I wanted. I finished school. I got a job. I didn't want to do what God wanted me to do because God put it on my heart in a really strong way that I needed to go back to the Philippines and do missionary work there. But I didn't want to do it. I was like, I, I'm so happy at this job that I have. I'm, I'm making good money. I have all my friends here. I have like everything I could ever want here in America. Why would I want to give all of that up to go over there? And um, yeah, God made me miserable for it because I didn't do it for a long time. I didn't go. Um, I, I just kind of left it in the back of my brain and God really put it on my heart and he would not let me, you know, get out of my end of the deal of giving my life to him. So um, I was pretty miserable, just like uh, like Jonah was. So that's kind of um, that's kind of how it how it was for me. And um, with that, I think that that's uh, enough of the backstory of how I, I ended up in the Philippines. Because when I went, I, I finally gave up everything. I went, I stayed there for a year. I came back, COVID hit, all that stuff, and here I am today, still doing what I'm doing. But yeah, with that, I think uh, it's time to get into the the scripture. Um, but before we do that, uh, let's pray. Um, so, dear God, uh, thank you for this time that we have here to go through your word and to see what your will is for us in our lives and to just be able to reflect on ourselves and reflect on who we are so that we know what is holding us back from following you in a real meaningful way. Amen. Okay, so the scripture that we're going to be going through is Mark 10. Um, verses 17 through 27. Um, if you're using this green thing, um, it's page 843. Okay, this is a translation I'm not used to, but we'll try it anyway. Okay, so verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. I love that story. That's so good. Um, yeah, so let's go through it. Let's go through it, starting in the first verse. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So I like to ask the questions, the who, what, when, why, and where. He's asking Jesus, what? How do I get into heaven? It's a question that so many people ask. How do I get to heaven? How can I be good enough to get into heaven? Right? He's asking, what, what, how do I e obtain eternal life? And what does Jesus say to him? Jesus says, you know the law. 
follow the law. If you, if you can follow the law, you will go to heaven. But, as we all know, we can't do that. Even non-believers, even non-Christians know that nobody is perfect. Everyone does wrong things. Everyone will admit that. And if they don't, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, but what, what he's saying is, if you can follow this law, he hits them with the law right away. It's what we do when we evangelize. Hit them with the law. And if they still think they're good after the law, they're a lost cause. But Jesus doesn't think so, but, and we'll get to that. But he hits them with all of these things. And since he's rich, it's interesting that he hits them with, do not defraud. Because I don't know if you know that, but do not defraud is not actually one of the Ten Commandments. So he hits him with do not defraud. And this was a very common way for people to get rich back in, back in this time. Don't pay your workers. Let them work a day's wage. Pay them less than you promised you'd pay them. That's defraud. You defrauded them. You made a deal and you didn't, go, you didn't fulfill it. And you, you might be able to say, well, that's just like a different way of bearing false testimony. But it's actually different. It's a different thing. So Jesus hits him with that because Jesus knows his heart. Jesus knows what this man actually is. It says it all throughout all the Gospels that Jesus knew their heart. Jesus knew the hearts of men. So Jesus knows what this man has done in his life. And the, and the, the man replies, he says, teacher, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Um, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. But Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he does something really interesting because in our society, when someone says, oh, I love you, I would never make you want to make you upset. Right. That's our society. Like, oh, telling the truth, if it upsets you, I'm not going to say it. Right. That would be I don't want to hurt your feelings. That would be mean. Right. But Jesus thinks the opposite. Jesus is like to love someone is to tell them the truth, not to lie to them. Not to, not to just say, oh, yeah, you're fine the way you are. You can keep defrauding all of these people and making money off of it. No problem. No, Jesus knows what this man has done, and he knows what this man puts his faith in. So what is this man putting his faith in? Jesus knows right away. He says, it's your wealth. He knows that this man's putting his trust in his wealth. He knows that this man will never put his full trust in God until he gets rid of that thing that he puts his faith in. That's his God. That's the thing he's putting above God. Right. And we know from the Bible, you can't do that. The law says you shall have no other God before me. It's interesting that Jesus actually didn't um, didn't put that in the in the first part there. He didn't mention that one command. You shall have no other God before me. He didn't even mention it. He knows that that man has an idol in his life, and he didn't mention it. He waited until this. And as we know from James, if you have broken one of the laws, it's as if you have broken all of them. So you've become a lawbreaker, right? So Jesus waits until this man says, I'm good enough, before hitting him with the one that proves that he's not good enough. So he says, Jesus says again, he says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And as we know from the story, he can't do it. He goes away sad because Jesus calls all sorts of people to follow him. And a lot of people do. A lot of people do sell everything they have and, or, or give up everything they have, leave family, mother, brother, sister, daughter, all of it. They leave everything to come and follow Jesus. It's all, all the disciples did it. Jesus walks up to the dock and he's like, hey, uh, you, I want you to follow me. And what does he do? He drops his nets and he's like, all right, I'm going. I'm with this guy. Right. It's it's that 
simple. You, if you can give up everything to follow God, that's what he wants. And if you have anything that's holding you back, that's going to prevent you from putting your faith in God. That's the God that you have in your life that is preventing you from following God with all your heart. And I kind of actually want to use an example from movies that we've probably all seen. I don't even have any movie in mind, but we all know the scene, right, when I start describing it. The scene is you have the good guy and the bad guy, and they're both going after some treasure, right? They're, all, they're going after some treasure, and they, they finally get the treasure, but they're in like this old temple, and then the floor starts falling away, and the, and the bad guy's got the treasure, and he falls, and he's holding on, and he's got the treasure in one hand, and he's holding on with the other hand, and then the, the hero of the story, the good guy, is like, just take my hand, take my hand, I'll save you, I'll, ta- I'll save your life, but you have to drop the thing, because you can't reach up. You already have, you're already holding on. You have to drop the thing to reach up. That's exactly what Jesus is doing to this man here. He's holding on to his wealth. And he's holding on to a cliff. He's asking Jesus, how can I be saved? How can I have eternal life? Jesus is saying, drop the money. Drop it. Drop that idol that you have in your life. The, the, the idol that you took off the podium that triggered the thing that made the whole temple fall. Drop it. You're dying. You're going to die. Drop it and follow me. Um, And this man can't do it. So imagine you are the one hanging on. What is that thing that you wouldn't be able to get rid of? Are you holding on to something that is preventing you from reaching up and grabbing Jesus' hand to be saved? What is that thing? Does Jesus have a call for you? Is he calling you to do something that you're not willing to do because you're holding on to something? That is a really hard question because we all have a lot of things. And for this man, it was his money. And Jesus is saying, in order to follow me, you have to give it all up. It might not be money for you. It might be a sin in your life. It might be literally like it could be anything, anything that you are putting before God. Um, and, you know, like the story, like my story earlier, mine was my comfort, my, my family. Like I didn't want to leave anyone. I was like, this is, I like being here. I like doing this thing. It's an easy job. I don't want to go to the other side of the world where I don't know anyone. I remember when I first got there, I, I sat down on, at the bed at night when it was supposed to be daytime because it's a 12-hour difference. And I'm sitting there and I can't sleep and I'm just like, God, where are you taking me? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Like, this is crazy. But all of the things that God has planned for us, he promises to take care of us, right? If you are willing to put your faith in God in such a way that you'd give up all of the things that you know, all of the things that are comfortable for you, he's going to take care of you. He promises it. He says, seek first my kingdom and all of these things will be added to you, all of them. I'm kind of like going off script already. Like these notes are worthless. Always happens. Um, it's okay. I preached this sermon last week, actually, and I didn't even have notes. So this is better than that. But anyway, what, what I'm trying to get at is like we have very comfortable lives in America, right? We obviously, right? Anyone who says otherwise, I don't even care if you're like, homeless in America, you're still doing better than most people anywhere else in the world. You still have an iPhone, right? Like that's just, everyone's got an iPhone. It's crazy. (laughs) It doesn't matter who they are. Um, So 
if we have all these comfortable lives, what if God is calling you to do something that you aren't really willing to do? You have like this thing in your life. Oh, this, my family, like I can't give up my family for something. I can't give up my wealth. I can't give up anything. And I know what you're thinking when I say family, like, oh, oh, we can't give up. I can't give up my family. Like I'm told to protect them. This is totally true. You are. But Jesus actually says later on, he says, I tell you the truth. Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters, mothers or fathers or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus isn't saying like, you know, abandon your family, but he is saying if your family is the thing that is preventing you from having faith, then, you know, if you're, you know, the husband or whatever, you take them with you wherever you're going. But you know what I mean? Like you have to take care of your family. But he's saying that you have to be able to give up everything in order to follow God. And I think that the best example of this in the Bible is actually Job. Job is the best example. Job is a righteous man, right? God calls him righteous. God's like, have you seen, observe my my servant Job, Satan. See this guy? He is a, a faithful man. Nothing you do to him will prevent him from having faith in me. And Satan's like, really? You want to make a bet? Let's do it. So God gives him permission to take away everything that that man has. He's one of the wealthiest people probably on the planet at this time. And Satan comes in and immediately all his wealth is gone. All of it. That's the first thing that happens. He takes away all of his wealth. But Job remains faithful. Is he mourning? Is he sad? Yes, but he's faithful. Then Satan takes his family away from him. All of his children dead just like that. Heartbreaking. Crazy. And God is allowing this to happen because God knows Job has faith. God knows Job has not put any of those things that God has given him above God. He has no idol in his life. And then Satan, final blow, takes his health from him. His skin is falling off of him. He boils everything. He's scraping his body with broken jars. It's crazy. And yet Job remains faithful. You see, Job, at the end, he says, though he slay me, still I will trust him. It's crazy. That's crazy. And yet, this is the faith that we are all called to have. I don't even know if I'm strong enough to be like Job. Are are any of you strong enough to be like Job? But that's what God is calling us to have. But he promises that even through all of the hardships, just like he says right here at the end, and, and with them all, persecutions will be given a hundredfold. If you want to follow God, persecution is going to be a real thing. It's going to be unpopular, right? We see it all the time. Anytime someone takes a Christian stance on something, immediately people come in and try and destroy it in some way. We are going to face persecution. Things are going to happen to us that are going to take away our idols, Things that we have in our life that make us comfortable. That maybe God knows that he needs to take from us in order for us to have more faith. It happens all the time. And it's going to happen more and more. Probably in America even as time goes on. Because I remember being over in the Philippines and seeing these Muslim kids who convert to Christianity. And immediately everything they have is gone. 
If they tell their parents, they're kicked out of the house. Their parents might try and kill them. So anything, they lose everything. They're, they're ostracized from their society. They are gone. That's what the orphanage was. There was not any like actual orphans at that orphanage. They all had parents. They were kicked out of the house. They were kicked out. That's where they went. And that's kind of what it is to have faith at all. Once you're called, you have to accept the call. Say, God, I'm putting you in front of everything. I'm willing to drop this idol that I have here. Reach up and grab your hand and be saved. Have eternal life. But as most of those movies go, the the villain who's holding the treasure doesn't let go. They can't. It's their idol. They would rather die than give up their idol. They would rather die than put their faith in God. That is so often a reality that we see in this world. And it's heartbreaking, but it's true. It's just how it is. And, and we see here, Jesus says, it's easier for a rich man to enter through, or a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say again, he says, it's with man, it's impossible to be saved. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Because we know that's true. I can't save you. You can't save anyone. Nothing. No one. Nothing here on earth can save you. There's no amount of money you can make. There's no amount of friends that you can have. Nothing. The only one that can save you is God. Putting your faith in God. Not being a nice person. Not following the commands almost perfectly. Nothing. Not, not doing anything. It's only through God that we can be saved. We talk to people all the time. Chuck, Tatiana, all of us, we talk to people all the time that think that being good enough is going to get them into heaven. Everyone thinks that. Everyone. Because there's only two religions in this world, right? We say this all the time. There's really only two. Every other religion is telling you, do this, do that, be good, whatever. That's how you're saved. But then you have Christianity over here that says, no. Being saved means you give up. You surrender it all. You take the leap of faith into the abyss that seems so hopeless and, and, and nothing can save you but the hands of God. Only God can save you. Take the leap of faith into the hands of God. And, um, yeah, don't look back. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's about it. So I guess the question I have for you is, What's the thing you're holding on to? And the, the way to know what that thing is that you're holding on to is think for a second. If God took this from me, how would I react? Would I be able to give it up if he asked me to? If, if Jesus was there standing there and asking you, drop that thing in order to follow me, would you be able to do it? It's really it's a hard question. I know it's really tough. But would you be able to do it? Would you be able to give up everything in order to follow God? I don't know. And it's kind of important because we're going into communion now. And communion is all about like if you have a sin that you're not willing to give up. If you have something that you're not willing to give to God, if, if you're like, God, I, I, this is my sin, I, I just want to keep living in it. I know I'm supposed to repent of this and, and ask for, for grace and forgiveness and, 
and, and for the, the strength to be freed from my sin. If you're not willing to do all of that, if you like your sin too much to give it to God, then you shouldn't be taking communion because it's so serious. Paul says that if you take communion in an unworthy manner, that is the reason why some of you have fallen asleep and have grown sick and sleep is death. So we have to be sure we have to take it so seriously because I remember I, I all that time when I was questioning my faith and all that I came to church. I did not take communion because I still knew that it was a serious thing. I, I still took it seriously. You you have to be able to give up everything in order to follow Christ and then receive communion. Right. Um, yeah. I'm not the one who's leading communion. But anyway, that's kind of all I have to say, I think. Idolatry is bad. Jesus says so. And so does, so does the entire Bible. You have to be able to give up everything to follow God. So let's pray. Dear God, um, I pray that uh, all of us will be having idols revealed in our lives. I know that I, along with probably everyone, has idols in their lives that, that take you to reveal in our lives, that take you to, to shine the light on, to expose with the light that your light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it, that you will expose all sin if we ask you to, and that you will give us the strength to surrender it, that you will pour out your spirit on us so that we have the strength to fight it, that we know that we were once slaves to our sins, but through your grace we have been set free. We have been set free from our sins so that we can be freed from them, And as Jesus says after he heals everyone, go and sin no more. Turn from your your evil and sin no more. And we pray that we have the strength to do that and that we have the strength to follow you with all of our heart, that we could stand next to Job and say, though he slay me, still I will trust him. Amen.